Homeland, Chapter 19, Promises of Glory. Have you found the trail? Drizzt whispered, moving up beside the great panther. He gave Gwenhyver a pat on the side and knew from the slackness of the cat's muscles that no danger was nearby. Gone, then, Drizzt said, staring off into the emptiness of the corridor in front of them. Wicked gnomes, my brother called them when we found the tracks by the pool. Wicked and stupid. He sheathed his scimitar and knelt beside the great panther, his arm comfortably draped across Gwenhyver's back. They're smart enough to elude our patrol, though. The cat looked up as if it had understood his every word, and Drizzt rubbed a hand roughly over Gwenhyver, his finest friend's head. Drizzt remembered clearly his elation on the day, a ten day before, when Dinan had announced to massage Hanette's outrage that Gwenhaver would be deployed at the patrol's point position beside Drizzt. "'The cat is mine!' Massage had reminded Dinan. "'You are mine!' Dinan, the patrol leader, had replied, ending any further debate. Whenever the figurine's magic would permit, Massage summoned Gwenhaver from the astral plane and bid the cat to run up in front, bringing Drizzt an added degree of safety and a valued companion." Drizzt knew from the unfamiliar heat patterns on the wall that they had gone the limit of their patrol route. He had purposefully put a lot of ground, more than was advised, between himself and the rest of the patrol. Drizzt had confidence that he and Gwenhaver could take care of themselves, and with the others far behind, he could relax and enjoy the wait. The minutes Drizzt spent in solitude gave him the time he needed in the endless effort to sort through his confused emotions. Gwenhaver, seemingly non-judgmental and always approving, offered Drizzt a perfect audience for his audible contemplations. "'I begin to wonder the worth of it all,' Drizzt whispered to the cat. "'I do not doubt the value of these patrols. This ten day alone we have defeated a dozen monsters that might have brought great harm to the city. But to what end?' He looked deeply into the panther's saucer eyes and found sympathy there and Driz knew that Gwenhyra somehow understood his dilemma. "'Perhaps I still don't know who I am,' Driz mused. "'Or who my people are. Every time I find a clue to the truth, it leads me down a path that I dare not continue upon, to conclusions I cannot accept.' "'You are drow!' came a reply behind him. Driz turned abruptly to see Dinan a few feet away, a look of grave concern on his face." "'The gnomes have fled beyond our reach,' Drizzt said, trying to deflect his brother's concerns. "'Have you not learned what it means to be a drow?' Dinan asked. "'Have you not come to understand the course of our history and the promise of our future?' "'I know of our history as it was taught at the Academy,' Drizzt replied. "'They were the very first lessons we received, of our future, and more so, the place we now reside, though—' I do not understand. You know of our enemies, Dinan prompted. Countless enemies, replied Driz with a heavy sigh. They fill the holes of the Underdark, always waiting for us to let down our guard. We will not, and our enemies will fall to our power. Ah, but our true enemies do not reside in the lightless caverns of our world, said Dinan with a sly smile. "'There's a world strange and evil.' Driz knew who Dinan was referring to, "'but he suspected that his brother was hiding something. "'The fairies,' 
Drizzt whispered, and the word prompted a jumble of emotions within him. All of his life he had been told of his evil cousins and how they had forced the drow into the bowels of the world. Busily engaged in the duties of his everyday life, Drizzt did not think of them often, but whenever they did come to mind, he used their name as a litany against everything he hated in his life. If Drizzt could somehow blame the surface elves, as every other drow seemed to blame them, for the injustices of drow society, he could find hope for the future of his people. Rationally, Drizzt had to dismiss the stirring legends of the elven war as another of the endless stream of lies. But in his heart and hopes, Drizzt clung desperately to those words. He looked back to Dinan. The fairies, he said again whatever they may be. Dinan chuckled at his brother's relentless sarcasm. It had become so commonplace. They are, as you have learned, he assured Drizzt, without worth and vile beyond your imagination. The tormentors of our people who banished us in eons past, who forced... I know the tales, Drizzt interrupted, alarmed at the increasing volume of his brother's voice. Drizzt glanced over his shoulder. If the patrol is ended... Let us meet the others closer to the city. This place is too dangerous for such discussions. He rose to his feet and started back, Gwenhyver at his side. Not as dangerous as the place I soon will lead you, Dinan replied with the same sly smile. Drew stopped and looked at him curiously. I suppose you should know, Dinan teased. We were selected because we are the finest of the patrol groups, and you have certainly played an important role in our attaining this honor. Chosen for what? In a fortnight, we will leave Menzoboranzen, explained Dinan. Our trail will take us many days and many miles from the city. How long? Drizzt asked, suddenly very curious. Two ten days, maybe three, replied Dinan. "'but well worth the time. "'We shall be the ones, my younger brother, "'who enact a measure of revenge on our most hated foes, "'who strike a glorious blow for the Spider Queen.' "'Driz thought that he understood, "'but the notion was too outrageous for him to be certain. "'The elves!' Dinan beamed. "'We have been chosen for a surface raid!' "'Driz was not as openly excited as his brother.' "'unsure of the implications of such a mission. "'At last he would get to view the surface elves "'and face the truth of his heart and hopes. "'Something more real to Drizzt, "'the disappointment he had known for so many years, "'tempered his elation, "'reminded him that while the truth of the elves "'might bring an excuse to the dark world of his kin, "'it might instead take away something more important. "'He was unsure how to feel. "'The surface... Alton mused. My sister went there once, on a raid. A most marvelous experience, so she said. He looked at Massage, not knowing how to figure the forlorn expression on the young Honette's face. Now your patrol makes the journey. I envy you. I am not going, Massage declared. Why? Alton gasped. This is a rare opportunity indeed. Menzoboranzen, "'To the anger of Loth, I am certain, has not staged a surface raid in two decades. "'It may be twenty more years before the next, and by then you will no longer be among the patrols.' "'Massage looked out from the small window of Alton's room in House Annette, surveying the compound. 
Besides, Alton continued quietly, up there, so far from prying eyes, you might find the chance to dispose of two Duardens. Why would you not go? Have you forgotten a ruling that you played a part in? Massage asked, whirling on Alton accusingly. Two decades ago, the Masters of Sorcerer decided that no wizards are to travel anywhere near the surface. Of course, Alton replied, remembering the meeting. Sorcerer seemed so distant to him now, though he had been within the Hunnet house for only a few ten days. We concluded that drow magic may work differently, unexpectedly under the open sky, he explained. On that raid twenty years ago, I know the story. Massage growled, and he finished the sentence for Alton. A withered fireball expanded beyond its normal dimensions, killing several drow. Dangerous side effects, you masters called it, though I believe the withered conveniently disposed of some enemies under the guise of an accident. Yes, Alton agreed. So said the rumors, in the absence of evidence. He let the thought go, seeing that he was doing little to comfort Massage. That was so long ago, he said, trying to offer some hope. Have you no recourse? None, Massage replied. Things move so very slowly in Menza Baranson. I doubt that the masters have even begun their investigation into the matter. A pity, Alden said. It would have been the perfect opportunity. No more of that, Massage scolded. Matron Senefei has not given me her command to eliminate Drizduarden or his brother. You have already been warned to keep your personal desires to yourself. When the matron bids me to strike, I will not fail her. Opportunities can be created. You speak as if you already know how Drizduarden will die, Alton said. A smile spread over Massage's face, and he reached into the pocket of his robe and produced the Ankh's figurine, his unthinking magical slave, which the foolish Drizzt had come to trust so dearly. Oh, I do, he replied, giving the statuette of Gwenhyver an easy toss, then catching it and holding it out on display. I do. The members of the chosen raiding party quickly came to realize that this would be no ordinary mission. They did not go out on patrol for Menza Baranzin at all during the next ten day. Rather, they remained, day and night, sequestered within a barracks at Melee Match there. Though nearly every waking hour, the raiders huddled around an oval table in a conference room, hearing the detailed plans of their pending adventure, and, over and over again, Master Hatchnet, the master of lore, spinning the tales of the vile elves. Driz listened intently to the stories, allowing himself forcing himself to fall within Hotchnet's hypnotic web. The tales had to be true. Driz did not know what he would hold on to to preserve his principles if they were not. Dinan presided over the raid's tactical preparations, displaying maps of the long tunnels the group would travel, grilling them over and over until they had all memorized the route perfectly. To this as well, the eager raiders, except for Driz, listened intently all the while fighting to keep their excitement from bursting out into a wild cheer. As the ten-day of preparations neared its end, Driz took note that one member of the patrol group had not been attending. At first, Driz had reasoned that Massage was learning his duties in the raid in Sorcerre with his old masters. With the departure time fast approaching, and the battle plans clearly taking shape, though, 
Driz began to understand that Massage would not be joining them. Where is our wizard? Driz dared to ask in the late hours of one session. Dinan, not appreciating the interruption, glared at his brother. Massage will not be joining us, he answered, knowing the others might now share Driz's concern, a distraction they could not afford at such a critical time. Sorcerer has decreed that no wizards may travel to the surface, Master Hatchnet explained. Massage Hornet will await your return in the city. It is a great loss to you, indeed, for Massage has proven his worth many times over. Fear not, though, for a cleric of Arak Tanilith shall accompany you. What of... Driz began above the approving whispers of other raiders. Dinan cut his brother's thoughts short, easily guessing the question. The cat belongs to Massage, he said flatly. The cat stays behind. I could talk to Massage, Driz pleaded. Dinan's stern glance answered the question without the need for words. Our tactics will be different on the surface, he said to all the group, silencing their whispers. The surface is a world of distance, not the blind enclosures of bending tunnels. Once our enemies are spotted, our task will be to surround them, to close off the distances. He looked straight at his younger brother. We will have no need of a point guard, and in such a conflict, a spirited cat could well prove more trouble than aid. Drizzt had to be satisfied with the answer. Arguing would not help. Even if he could get Massage to let him take the panther, which he knew in his heart he could not. He shook the brooding desires out of his head and forced himself to hear his brother's words. This was going to be the greatest challenge of Drizzt's young life, and the greatest danger. Over the final two days, as the battle plan became ingrained into every thought, Drizzt found himself growing more and more agitated. Nervous energy kept his palms moist with sweat, and his eyes darted about, too alert. Despite his disappointment over Gwenhyber, Driz could not deny the excitement that bubbled within him. This was the adventure that he had always wanted, the answer to his questions of the truth of his people. Up there, in the vast strangeness of that foreign world, lurked the surface elves, the unseen nightmare that had become the common enemy, and thus the common bond of all the drow. Driz would discover the glory of battle exacting proper revenge upon his people's most hated foes. Always before, Drizzt had fought out of necessity, in training gyms or against the stupid monsters that ventured too close to his home. Drizzt knew that this encounter would be different. This time, his thrusts and cuts would be carried by the strength of deeper emotions, guided by the honor of his people and the common courage and resolve to strike back against their oppressors. He had to believe that. Driz lay back in his cot the night before the raiding party's departure, and brought his scimitars through some slow-motion maneuvers above him. This time, he whispered aloud to the blades while marveling at their intricate dance even at their slow speed, this time your ring will sound out in the song of justice. He placed the scimitars down on the side of his cot and rolled over to find some much-needed sleep. This time, he said again, teeth clenched and his eyes shining with determination. Were his proclamations his belief or his hope? Drizzt had dismissed the disturbing question the very first time it had entered his thoughts, having no more room for doubts than he had for his brooding. He no longer considered the possibility of disappointment. It had no place in the heart of a drow warrior. To Dinan, though, 
studying Drizzt curiously from the shadows of the doorway, it sounded as if the young brother was trying to convince himself of the truth of his words. Homeland, Chapter 20, That Foreign World The fourteen members of the patrol group made their way through twisting tunnels and giant caverns that suddenly opened wide before them. Silent on magical boots and nearly invisible behind their pivofuis, they communicated only in their hand code. For the most part, the ground slope was barely perceptible, though at times the group climbed straight-up rocky chimneys, every step and every handhold drawing them nearer to their goal. They crossed through the boundaries of claimed territories, of monsters and the other races, but the hated gnomes and even the Duergard dwarves wisely kept their heads hidden. Few in all the Underdark would purposefully intercept a drow raiding party. By the end of a ten-day, all the drow could sense a difference in their surroundings. The depth still would have seemed stifling to a surface-dweller, but to the Dark Elves, who were accustomed to a constant oppression of a thousand thousand tons of rock hanging over their heads, they turned around every corner expecting the stone ceiling to fly away into the vast openness of the surface world. Breezes wafted past them, not the sulfur-smelling hot winds rising off the magma of deep earth, but moist air, scented with a hundred aromas unknown to the drow. It was springtime above, though the dark elves, in their seasonless environments, knew nothing of that, and the air was full of the scents of new-blossoming flowers and budding trees. In the seductive allure of those tantalizing aromas, Drizzt had to remind himself again and again that the place they approached was wholly evil and dangerous. Perhaps, he thought, the scents were merely a diabolical lure, a bait to an unsuspecting creature to bring it onto the surface world's murderous grip. The cleric of Arak Tanilith, who was traveling with the raiding party, walked near to the one wall and pressed her face against every crack she encountered. "'This one will suffice,' she said a short time later. She cast a spell of seeing and looked into the tiny crack— no more than a finger's width, a second time. "'How are we going to get through that?' one of the patrol members signaled to another. Dinan caught the gestures and ended the silent conversation with a scowl. "'It is daylight above,' the cleric announced. "'We shall have to wait here.' "'For how long?' Dinan asked, knowing his patrol to be on the edge of readiness, with their long-awaited goal so very near. "'I cannot know,' the cleric replied. No more than half a cycle of Narbondal. Let us remove our packs and rest while we may. Dinan would have preferred to continue, just to keep his troops busy. But he did not dare speak out against the priestess. The break did not prove a long one, though. For a couple of hours later, the cleric checked through the crack once more and announced that the time had come. You first, Dinan said to Drizzt. Drizzt looked at his brother incredulously, having no idea of how he could pass through such a tiny crack. "'Come,' instructed the cleric, who now held a mini-hold orb. "'Walk past me and continue through.' As Drizzt passed the cleric, she spoke the orb's command word and held it over Drizzt's head. Black flakes, blacker than Drizzt's ebony skin, drifted over him, and he felt a tremendous shudder ripple across his spine. The others looked on in amazement as Drizzt's body narrowed to the width of a hair and became a two-dimensional image, a shadow of his former self. Drizzt did not understand what was happening, but the crack suddenly widened before him. He slipped into it, 
found movement in his present form merely an enactment of will, and drifted through the twists, turns, and bends of the tiny channel like a shadow on the broken face of a rocky cliff. He then was in a long cave, standing across from its single exit. A moonless night had fallen, and even this seemed bright to the deep-dwelling drow. Drizzt felt himself pulled toward the exit, toward the surface world's openness. The other raiders began slipping through the crack and into the cavern then, one by one, with the cleric coming in last. Drizzt was the first to feel the shudder of his body resuming to its natural state. In a few moments, they were all eagerly checking their weapons. "'I will remain here,' the cleric told Dinan. "'Hunt well. The Spider Queen is watching.' Dinan warned the troops once again about the dangers of the surface. Then he moved to the front of the cave, a small hole in the side of the rocky spur of a tall mountain. For the Spider Queen, Dinan proclaimed. He took a steadying breath and led them through the exit, under the open sky. Under the stars. While the others seemed nervous under those revealing lights, Drizzt found his gaze pulled heavenward to the countless points of mystical twinkling. Bathed in the starlight, he felt his heart lift and didn't even notice the joyful singing that rode the night wind, so fitting it seemed. Dinan heard the song, and he was experienced enough to recognize it is the eldritch calling of the surface elves. He crouched and surveyed the horizon, picking out the light of a single fire down in the distant expanse of a wooded valley. He nudged his troops to action and pointedly nudged the wonderment from his brother's eyes and started them off. Drizzt could see the anxiety on his companions' faces, so contrasted by his own inexplicable sense of serenity. He suspected at once that something was very wrong with the whole situation. In his heart, Drizzt had known from the minute he'd stepped out of the tunnel that this was not the vile world the Masters of the Academy had taken so many pains to describe. He did feel unusual with no stone ceiling above him, but not uncomfortable. If the stars, calling to his heartstrings, were indeed reminders of what the next day might bring, as Master Hatchnet had said, then surely the next day would not be so terrible. Only confusion dampened the feeling of freedom that Drizzt felt, for either he had somehow fallen into a trap of perception, or his companions, his brother included, viewed their surroundings through tainted eyes. It fell on Drizzt as another unanswered burden. Were his feelings of comfort here weakness or truth of heart? They are akin to the mushroom groves of our home, Dinan assured the others as they tentatively moved around the perimeter bows of a small forest, neither sentient nor harmful. Still, the younger dark elves flinched and brought their weapons to the ready whenever a squirrel skipped across a branch overhead or an unseen bird called out to the night. The Dark Elves were a silent world, far different from the chattering life of the springtime forest, and in the Underdark, nearly every living thing could, and most certainly would, try to harm anything invading its lair. Even a cricket's chirp sounded ominous to the alert ears of the drow. Dinan's course was true, and soon the fairy song drowned out every other sound and the light of the fire became visible through the bows. Surface selves were the most alert of the races, and a human or even a sneaky halfling would have little chance of catching them unawares. The raiders this night were drow, more skilled in stealth than the most proficient ally thief. Their footfalls were unheard, even across the bed of dry fallen leaves. 
and their crafted armor, shaped perfectly to the contours of their slender bodies, bent with their movements without a rustle. Unnoticed, they lined the perimeter of the small glade, where a score of fairies danced and sang. Transfixed by the sheer joy of the elves' play, Drizzt hardly noticed the commands his brother issued in the silent code. Several children danced among the gathering, marked only by the size of their bodies, and were no freer in spirits than the adults they accompanied. So innocent they all seemed, so full of life and wistfulness, and obviously bonded to each other by friendship more profound than Drizzt had ever known in Menzoboranzum. So unlike the stories Hotsnet had spun of them, tales of vile, hating wretches. Drizzt sensed more, then saw that his group was on the move, fanning out to gain a greater advantage. Still, he did not take his eyes from the spectacle before him. Dinan tapped him on the shoulder and pointed to the small crossbow that hung from his belt, then slipped off into position in the brush off to the side. Drizzt wanted to stop his brother and the others, wanted to make them wait and observe the surface selves that they were so quick to make enemies. Driz found his feet rooted to the earth and his tongue weighted heavily by the sudden dryness that came into his mouth. He looked to Dinan and could only hope that his brother mistakenly thought his labored breaths the exultations of battle-lust. Then Driz's keen ears heard the soft thrum of a dozen tiny bowstrings. The elven song carried on a moment longer until several of the group dropped to the earth. No! Drizzt screamed in protest, the words torn from his body by a profound rage even he could not understand. The denial sounded just like another war cry to the drow raiders, and before the surface elves could even begin to react, Dinan and the others were upon them. Drizzt, too, leaped into the glade's lighted ring, his weapons in hand, though he had given no thought to his next move. He wanted only to stop the battle, to put an end to the scene unfolding before him. Quite at ease in their woodland home, the surface elves weren't even armed. The drow warriors sliced through their ranks mercilessly, cutting them down and hacking at their bodies long after the light of life had flown from their eyes. One terrified female, dodging this way and that, came before Drizzt. He dipped his tips of his weapon to the earth, searching for some way to give a measure of comfort. The female then jerked straight as a sword dived into her back, its tip thrusting right through her slender form. Drizzt watched, mesmerized and horrified, as the drow warrior behind her grasped the weapon hilt in both hands and twisted it savagely. The female elf looked straight at Drizzt in the last fleeting seconds of her life, her eyes crying for mercy. Her voice was no more than a sickening gurgle of blood. His face, the exultation of ecstasy, the drow warrior tore his sword free and sliced it across, taking the head from the elven female's shoulders. Vengeance! he cried at Drizzt, his face contorted in furious glee, his eyes burning with a light that shone demonic to the stunned Drizzt. The warrior hacked at the lifeless body one more time, then spun away in search of another kill. Only a moment later, another elf, this one a young girl, broke free of the massacre and rushed in Driz's direction, screaming in a single word over and over. Her cry was in a tongue of the surface elves, a dialect foreign to Driz, but when he looked upon her fair face, streaked with tears, he understood what she was saying. Her eyes were on the mutilated corpse at her feet. Her anguish outweighed even the terror of her own impending doom. She could only be crying. Mother! Rage. 
horror, anguish, and a dozen other emotions racked, drizzed at that horrible moment. He wanted to escape his feelings, to lose himself in the blind frenzy of his kin and accept the ugly reality. How easy would it have been to throw away the conscience that painted him so? The elven child rushed up before Drizzt, but hardly saw him. Her gaze locked upon her dead mother. The back of the child's neck opened to a single clean blow. Drizzt raised his scimitar, unable to distinguish between mercy and murder. "'Yes, my brother!' Dinan cried out to him, a call that cut through his comrade's screams and whoops and echoed in Drizzt's ears like an accusation." Driz looked up to see Dinan covered from head to foot in blood and standing amid the hacked cluster of dead elves. "'Today you know the glory it is to be a drow!' Dinan cried, and he punched a victorious fist into the air. "'Today we appeased the Spider Queen!' Driz responded in kind, then snarled and reared back for a killing blow. He almost did it. In his unfocused outrage, Drizduarden almost became as his kin. He almost stole the life from that beautiful child's sparkling eyes. At the last moment, she looked up at him, her eyes shining as a dark mirror into Driz's blackening heart. In that reflection, that reverse image of the rage that guided his hand, Drizduarden found himself. He brought the scimitar down in a mighty sweep, watching Dinan out of the corner of his eye as it whisked harmlessly past the child. In the same motion, Drist followed with his other hand, catching the girl by the front of her tunic and pulling her face down to the ground. She screamed, unharmed but terrified, and Drist saw Dinan thrust his fist into the air again and spin away. Drist had to work quickly. The battle was almost at its gruesome end. He sliced his scimitars expertly above the huddled child's back, cuffing her clothing but not as much as scratching her tender skin. Then he used the blood of the headless corpse to mask the trick, taking grim satisfaction that the elven mother would be pleased to know that in dying she had saved the life of her daughter. "'Stay down,' he whispered in the child's ear. Driz knew that she could not understand his language, but he tried to keep his tone comforting enough for her to guess the deception." He could only hope that he had done an adequate job a moment later, when Dinan and several others came over him. "'Well done!' Dinan said exuberantly, trembling with sheer excitement. "'A score of the orc bait dead, and not a one of us even injured! "'The matrons of Menzoberranzan will be pleased indeed, though we'll get no plunder from this pitiful lot!' He looked down at the pile at Driz's feet, then clapped his brother on the shoulder. Did they think that they could get away? Dinan roared. Drizzt fought hard to sublimate his disgust, but Dinan was so entranced by the bloodbath that he wouldn't have noticed anyway. Not with you here, Dinan continued. Two kills for Drizzt. One kill, protested another, stepping beside Dinan. Drizzt set his hands firmly on the hilts of his weapon and gathered up his courage. If this approaching drow had guessed the deception, Drizzt would have to fight to save the elven child. He would kill his companions, even his brother, to save the little girl with the sparkling eyes, until he himself was slain. At least then, Drizzt would not have to witness their slaughter of the child. Luckily, the problem never came up. Drizzt got the child, the drow said to Dinan, but I got the elder female. I put my sword right through her back before your brother even brought his scimitars to bear. It came as a reflex, an unconscious strike against the evil all about him. 
Driz didn't even realize the act had happened, but a moment later, he saw the boasting drow laying on his back, clutching at his face and groaning in agony. Only then did Driz notice the burning pain in his hands, and he looked down to see his knuckles and the scimitar hilt they clutched, spattered with blood. "'What are you about?' Dinan demanded. Thinking quickly, Driz did not even reply to his brother. He looked past Dinan to the squirming form on the ground and transferred all the rage in his heart into a curse that the others would accept and respect. "'If you ever steal a kill from me again!' He spat, sincerity dripping from the false words. I will replace the head lost from its shoulders with your own. Driz knew that the elven child at his feet, though doing her best, had begun a slight shudder of sobbing, and he decided not to press his luck. Come then, he growled. Let us leave this place. The stench of the surface world fills my mouth with bile. He stormed away, and the others, laughing, picked up their dazed comrade and followed. "'Finally,' Dinan whispered as he watched his brother tense strides. "'Finally you have learned what it means to be a drow warrior!' Dinan, in his blindness, would never understand the irony of his words. "'We have one more duty before we return home,' the cleric explained to the group when it reached the cave's entrance. She alone knew of the raid's second purpose.' The matrids of Menzibaranzan have bid us to witness the ultimate horror of the surface world, that we might warn our kindred. Our kindred, Drizzt mused, his thoughts black with sarcasm. As far as he could see, the raiders had already witnessed the horror of the surface world themselves. There, Dinan cried, pointing to the eastern horizon. The tiniest shading of the light lined the dark outline of distant mountains. A surface dweller would not even have noticed it, but the dark elves saw it clearly, and all of them, even Drizzt, recoiled instinctively. It is beautiful, Drizzt dared to remark, after taking a moment to consider the spectacle. Dinan's glare came at him icy cold, but no colder than the look the cleric cast Drizzt's way. Remove your cloaks and equipment, even your armor, she instructed the group. Quickly, place him within the shadows of the cave so they will not be affected by the light. When the task was completed, the cleric led them out into the glowing light. Watch, was her grim command. The eastern sky assumed a hue of purplish pink, then pink altogether, its brightening causing the dark elves to squint uncomfortably. Drizzt wanted to deny the event, to put it into the same pile of anger that denied the master of lore's words concerning the surface elves. Then it happened. The top of the rim of the sun crested the eastern horizon. The surface world awakened to its warmth, its life-giving energy. Those same rays assaulted the drow elves' eyes with the fury of fire, tearing into orms unaccustomed to such sights. Watch! The cleric cried at them. Witness the depths of the horror! One by one, the raiders cried out in pain and fell into the cave's darkness, until Drizzt stood there alone beside the cleric in the growing daylight. Truly the light assaulted Drizzt as keenly as it had his kin, but he basked in it, accepted it as his purgatory, exposing him for all to view while its stinging fires cleansed his soul. "'Come,' the cleric said to him at length, not understanding his actions. "'We have borne witness. We may now return to our homeland.' "'Homeland?' Drizzt replied, subdued. 
Menzelberanzen, the cleric cried, thinking the male confused beyond reason. Come, before the inferno burns the skin from your bones. Let our surface cousins suffer the flames, a fitting punishment for their evil hearts. Drizzt chuckled helplessly. A fitting punishment. He wished that he could pluck a thousand such suns from the sky and set them in every chapel in Menzelberanzen to shine eternally. Then Drizzt could take the light no more. He scrambled dizzily back into the cave and donned his outfit. The cleric had the orb in hand, and Drizzt again was the first through the tiny crack. When all the group rejoined in the tunnel beyond, Drizzt took his position at the point and led them back into the descending path's deepening gloom, back down into the darkness of their existence.'